Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hello and welcome to the Mick Clifford Podcast with the Irish Examiner. Now, we have at various points in this podcast touched on the centenary commemorations of the revolutionary period. This particular time, though, 100 years ago, was highly significant in that it heralded what was the most vicious period of the Civil War. Or, I suppose, if you like, the darkest hour before the dawn, when it all, thankfully, ended a couple of months later. The worst excesses in March 1923 on both sides occurred in County Kerry, where for various reasons things got really, really bad. On Sunday next, the centenary of the Ballyseedy Massacre, which we'll talk about in a minute, is taking place. And over the following weeks, there will be events commemorating other tragedies from that time in the first half, even stretching on a bit longer, of March in 23 in the conflict, which we have to remember, culminated with the birth of the state as we know it today. Joining me to discuss the centenaries and how we have and continue to remember these events is historian Ono Shea, who's written the definitive account of the Civil War in Kerry, No Middle Path. Ono, you're very welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Big. Oh, and just for listeners who won't be familiar with the background, would you set out where things were at in the civil war in the country in general, say around the beginning of March, and then what the story was in Kerry? Well, by that time, by the spring of 23 and into March 23, um, in many parts of the country, the war was over to all intents and purposes. And uh, what was uh, known as the Munster Republic, uh, which included... um, counties inside a sort of a notional line between Limerick and Waterford, which was the anti-treaty stronghold in the earlier months of the war, that line had essentially moved back or or retreated to Kerry and uh, I suppose sort of symbolically and in reality to Kerry was sort of, and and those on the anti-treaty side in Kerry saw themselves as the last line of defence almost or the last bastion of of anti-treaty and republican uh, sentiment. What does happen in the early months of of 23 and particularly in March is there's an increasing level of frustration I think in government circles and within the Free State Army about the fact that the war is still going on particularly in Kerry and there's an increasing um, impatience at cabinet and amongst the, the Kerry command of the army about the protracted nature of the war, when, as I say, the, the conflict had, had all but ended in, in most parts, most other parts of the country. And that frustration and perhaps embarrassment, maybe to some extent, manifested itself in a number of ways. 
the Dublin Guard of the of the Free State Army, as they were known, which came to Kerry in a number of um, seaborne landings in August 22, were um, carrying out a, a policy of uh, of executions uh, executions in 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 the in the normal sense in terms of those that were prisoners or, or those in in custody who were found guilty of various. Um, uh, crimes under the various pieces of legislation, but also a series of extrajudicial killings, which to many uh, suggested that senior figures in the Free State Army in Kerry were were, were out of control. Uh, there was an increased viciousness and an increased visceral element to the war, as I say, because of those frustrations. And because by this time you have a sort of a guerrilla warfare in place, with uh, the army in command of the large urban centres in, in the county, uh, the large towns and villages, uh, with the anti-treaty IRA in, in the ascendancy in rural Kerry. You know, and th- there was certainly an unfamiliarity with some in the, in the army in Kerry about uh, the, the geography and, and topography of the county, whereas the, the, uh, the IRA were obviously more au fait with the rural and remoter areas. So you have this sort of, sort of a standoff or a deadlock almost at this point um, and that sort of creates all sorts of tensions that that uh, that manifested themselves in in very violent ways. Yes, and uh, you mentioned extrajudicial killings, so sort of quasi executions. My own granduncle was subjected to that on the fifth of March in South Kerry after a, a gun battle after they'd surrendered. He was summarily shot, and then the day after that, in Knocknagashel in North Kerry, there was an incident that really set off. What were, I suppose, in some ways, the seminal outrages of the conflict? Correct. Uh, those events that in, in the uh, in the early hours of the sixth of March at Knocknagashel had uh, cataclysmic consequences. Really, um, uh, what occurred there, in in summary, is that the IRA um, lured uh, a group of Free State Army soldiers from Castle Island, from their barracks to Castle Island, to Baranarig Wood near Knocknagashel, uh, in the northeast of the county. Uh, on the pretense that, you know, based on a tip-off that it was an IRA arms dump. And uh, there were residual animosities between some in the IRA locally and um, those who locally who had joined the Free State Army, people like Paddy Pats O'Connor, who um, uh, had fallen out with his, he and his family had fallen out with the IRA locally and uh, Paddy Pats O'Connor uh, joined the, the army in Castle Island. So there were sort of personal as well as, as, well as uh, other animosities at play. Um, but the soldiers who were lured to Knocknagashel in the early hours of the 6th of March 23 um, went in search of, in, in the early hours of the morning, went in search of uh, this alleged IRA arms dump. Uh, and while they were in the process of removing uh, some stones and rubble from around the site they believed to be the arms dump, a trip mine uh, which had been placed there by the IRA was uh, was detonated and five uh, Free State Army soldiers were killed uh, they sustained quite horrendous injuries. Uh, the Paddy Pats O'Connor that I mentioned was decapitated and his his head was found the following morning in a stream by a local schoolgirl. Uh, one of those who was blown up and who survived, uh, Joseph O'Brien, a private from, from Dublin, uh, had both his legs amputated um, and uh, suffered the, the loss of the sight of his eyes. Um, and it was the highest it was the highest death toll in the Free State Army in six months during the Civil War. Um, and the reaction, of course, uh, which is what led to what followed, the, re- the reaction of Paddy O'Daly, the, uh, the senior uh, army commandant in, in, uh, in Tralee and in Kerry indeed, 
uh, was one of fury and what what Dermot Ferriter has described as a lust for revenge. Um, and uh, the the reaction within within the army was one um, that prompted the events of what followed over over subsequent days. Yes, and and the first one then was Ballyseedy, probably the most notorious one. Yeah. This was within twenty four hours of Knocknagashel, nine prisoners were taken from Balmullen Barracks, was it? Ballymullen, in Italy? Yes. Ballymullen. Yeah. Yeah. Go on with that. Uh, Paddy O'Daly, who I mentioned, um, decided following Knocknagashel that henceforth. Uh, what he what he what he was quoted as saying to prevent the wholesale slaughter of our men, that if there were any um, alleged arm dum- arms dumps or if there were any obstructions along roadways or if there were um, barricades placed on roadways by the IRA, that it it was IRA prisoners themselves who would be taken from prisons and used to remove such obstructions. And this those barricades and obstructions had had proved very effective um, in terms of um, preventing the, the Free State Army from, from getting about the county and they were a common common feature of the war. Um, so on the night of the, um, within 24 hours of Nakhnagashal in the early hours of the 7th of March uh, 23, uh, nine prisoners are, are tortured and beaten at Ballymullen Barracks uh, in retaliation for what occurred at, at Nakhnagashal and before they're taken from the, from the, the barracks, uh, they are shown into a room of coffins, empty coffins some of which bear the names of the prisoners that are about to be removed from the from the barracks. They are taken to a short a couple of miles from Tralee uh, to a place called uh, Ballycidi, uh, Ballycidi Cross, which at that time was the main uh, road between Tralee and Killordlin. Um And they are uh, they discover there that there's a, a barricade across the road of, of stones and rubble that has been put there by the by the army themselves. Uh, the prisoners are tied to the mine. Um, and uh, their hands and legs are tied. They are told to say their prayers. Um, Stephen Fuller, who survived the explosion, described in an, later described in an interview how one of the Free State Army, um, excuse my language, described the prisoners as Irish bastards. And Fuller noted that he was an Irishman himself, uh, which was sort of indicative of of the of the maybe the confused thinking at this time. Uh, so when the prisoners were tied to the mine, uh, the Free State Army uh, stood back and, and detonated an explosive within the within the barricade, which had been placed there um, by the army themselves, and blew eight of the so- of the prisoners to their deaths. Miraculously, and somehow Stephen Fuller uh, from Kilflin managed to escape. He was blown by the force of the explosion into a nearby stream and managed, over the course of subsequent hours, to get away. And of course. In getting away, he took with him the truth of what happened at Bally City. The official line spun by the army was that uh, the the barricade had been placed on the road by the IRA themselves, that the IRA prisoners were uh, clearing the the rubble from that site when the uh, the, the the bomb exploded. But of course, uh, it had been an entirely premeditated attack on behalf of the uh, of, of the Kerry command of the Free State Army. Yes, and that was a horrendous night that lives long, I think, in the memory of many. And it was followed, I don't know, it was 24, 48 hours later by a similar outrage at a place called Countess Bridge outside Killarney. Yes. And then on the, I think it was the 12th of March, a few days later, uh, another group of Free State soldiers, they landed at Carsevine by sea. They stayed there for over 24 hours and then they went to where a number of um, anti-treaty prisoners were being kept in Bahocks outside Carsevine and they took them and did the similar thing there and as far as I 
recall what was done there was they shot them first on the basis to make sure in the legs yes. to make sure that nobody would be able to escape as had been happening in the previous two incidences. It was, I mean, that, that was the lowest period of the whole civil war, I'd say. Unquestionably, uh, you have, in, in essence, in terms of revenge, if you want to call it that, for Nagashal, where five soldiers were killed, 17 IRA prisoners were taken from their prison cells uh, and summarily executed extrajudicially in the name of the state. Um, and, um, you know, ever since then, those, those killings have left a very, very deep scar uh, in, in, in County Kerry. Uh, and understandably so, not least because of, of the number of, uh, of deaths involved, but because of the horrendous effect those killings had on the families um, uh, and the survivors uh, in, who invariably suffered a wide array of financial, physical, uh, psychological and, and emotional traumas in the years afterwards. Um, so it is in many um, ways the, the, the very lowest point of the civil war, not just in Kerry, but I would suggest in, in Ireland. Um, and it pointed to it pointed to elements in the Free State Army and in the army of the newly established state that, that were completely out of control, uh, but that who were not operating, it must be said, without, you know, in a sort of a vacuum. Um, their their actions and the 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 um, the killing of prisoners in this way had the sanction of uh, government and had the sanction of the chief of staff of the army and the minister for defence. Uh, Richard Mulcahy, who um, insisted in the Doyle and elsewhere that uh, the actions of his men in Kerry were, were um, he, he, he stood over the, the findings of, of, of the inquiry into these events. And the, the inquiries, of course, were nothing but a complete sham, which, which vindicated the Free State soldiers uh, and which um, blamed the IRA for the, for the explosions, um, uh, which, of course, was, was, was completely untrue. And uh, Mulcahy and the Doyle, uh, pointedly said that it it was quote inconceivable um, that members of the army in Kerry would be capable of such uh, such killings and we must bear in mind as well that W T Cosgrave the head of government was 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 talking the language of extermination at this time and was talking about the need if necessary to exterminate ten thousand republicans if the free state was to was to survive so um, I think it's important not to see Paddy O'Daly and the Kerry Command as some sort of rogue operators in Kerry at this time certainly they were out of control certainly O'Daly and others um, in the army in Kerry uh, had I would suggest um, sadistic and psychopathic tendencies which um, one can perhaps understand based on the frustrations and the pressures they were facing um, in terms of the need to bring the war to a conclusion uh, but um, which one can only um, describe as as uh, as um, the actions be, as actions beyond any sorts of norm of norms of of, uh, of warfare. Um, but I think it's important too to remember that these actions had the sanction and imprimatur of those in in uh, in Dublin and those in in the highest political offices. To know what's really happening, subscribe to the Irish Examiner today at irishexaminer.com forward slash subscribe. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm lip fillers. 
With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips and adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical new user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. And just looking at it, Owen, I've thought about this sometimes, looking at it from the point of view, as you said, even the, the, the local free state uh, commanders and all the way up to the political masters and what have you, from their point of view, they had achieved in the War of Independence more, I think, as Michael Collins uh termed it than had ever been achieved in 800 years while uh, Britain occupied the country or whatever way you want to put it. They'd achieved more than ever. They had a chance to establish something completely new that could only have been dreamt of within six, seven years previously. Nobody would even dream it was possible. And yet, to their mind, the anti-treaty side wanted to smash that and a lot of people would have suggested would have inevitably led to the re-entry of British forces into the country or into the free state uh, because they would not have tolerated anything else and they would not have tolerated anything that did not uh, acquiesce to the treaty that had been signed. So they weren't just psychopaths or they were not just people who were um, using terror for the sake of it they they were under extreme pressures themselves as well. They were, and they were getting that too. And it must be said from from the general public. And um, it has been pointed out, as, as I did in my own book, that you know the arrival of the of the Kerry or the Dublin Guard in in August twenty two in Kerry was greeted with some relief by a, a war weary population who had been through the First World War, who had been through the War of Independence, and particularly in in the business. Um, sector, I suppose. I mean, economic activity had already been through, or economic life and, and normal social life and so on had been through years of turmoil. And here now was was a population again facing into months, if not years, of, of a civil war. Um, so, and, and what's significant, I think, at the time as well, is there was significant um, revulsion locally in Kerry towards a campaign led by the IRA of, of disruption and disorder. And by that, I mean... Um, I suppose the, the, the IRA was, was increasingly uh, realising that it was unable to take on uh, the Free State Army militarily, so to speak, or to dislodge them from, from the urban centres in the county. So 
what you do get at this time is a very significant campaign of disruption uh, by the IRA, be that in terms of um, transport, such, such as the blowing up of bridges, the cutting of roads, um, the removal of railway lines, which in some cases had, had fatal consequences. In terms of communications, there's disruption of postal services, there's attacks on postal staff, some of which are, are, are detailed in the, in the compensation claims subsequently submitted and which are held in the National Archives. So I think um, it would be important to point out that um, popular sentiment in Kerry at this time was not exclusively anti-free state or anti-Common uh, anti and Oil. Uh, on the contrary, I think there were many, um, and you can see this amongst claims from, from those that were trying to operate hotels, businesses, shops, which were being incre increasingly looted, attacked, uh, you know, shopkeepers being kidnapped. I intimidation was very much a modus operandi for the IRA at this time. Um, so, as I say, you can you can see a certain amount of um, of uh, of uh, pro free state sentiment. Not not necessarily pro treaty, but at least pro government in the sense of wanting to bring this bloody conflict to an end. Um, uh, and um, and I think that's significant enough. It's it's kind of forgotten, even though Republicans had a very strong election in August twenty three in Kerry. Common and Isle did win three of the seven seats, um, uh, which which you know which was a reasonable showing in a county which had been so scarred by by those atrocities. So there is a dual, you know. Pop, I think we whatever about the politics of it, we need to drill down into the civilian attitudes to all of this and a civilian population that was incredibly. Uh, tired and and re and really fed up of 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 a continuation of of all this this sort of disruption. Very true. On and the other thing that arises is, did the nature of these outrages and the extent of them have any impact on bringing the conflict to an end? Or, as I've seen some people suggest, it was on its way out anyway, and that was not in any way influenced by these terrible outrages blowing up these people in this manner. I think the war might have ended uh, a little bit earlier in Kerry, but for the atrocities of March 23. Right. Now, admittedly, uh, the war ended, um, you know, by, by May anyway, and to some extent was petering out. But I think um, certainly the 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 attacks on the IRA prisoners at Ballyseedy and Countess Bridge and Bahuks and Clash Melkin, which we haven't mentioned as well, which was another incident uh, towards the very end of the war and followed by a number of other executions, um, must certainly and would have had the effect of terrifying uh, the population, and I would suggest terrifying many in, in the IRA, that um, this was the fate that perhaps befell more prisoners if, if the war didn't come to an end. But um, had not negotial and what followed not occurred, uh, I would suggest that maybe maybe the war would have would have uh, would have concluded somewhat earlier. It, it had the effect, even though, as I said, the civilian population will, will have been no doubt terrified by what occurred of of um, increased maybe retrenchment on the part of the IRA and um, you know by 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 April you have um, literally a, 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 a fight on on the coast of of Kerry and on on the Atlantic coast at at Clash Melkin in 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 caves overlooking the Atlantic which kind of symbolizes um, the very very last line of 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 the war and and you know literally right on the verge of of, of the country. Um, but the you know and, and even after the war was over, I, sh I should say, um, there were a number of incidents through the summer and autumn uh, of twenty three and into twenty four, which were directly linked to um, to uh, the events of of twenty two twenty three. Uh, Paddy O'Daly and two other soldiers, for example, were implicated in the horrendous assault of two sisters in in Kinmare, who were the daughters of uh, of the local uh, doctor. Uh, assault and it is alleged possible sexual assault and, and rape of of uh, 
of those two sisters there are there's a sergeant uh, sergeant james woods um of the civic guard who was the first sergeant um in in the in Angarda Shia to be killed on duty is killed in in Glen later in twenty three, a hangover really from the from the civil war period. So to some extent, I would suggest the civil war was sort of going on in Kerry even after the the fighting ended, if I could put it that way. Right. Okay, and then we come to the sticky business of remembering afterwards. And I only discovered this recently. I'm sure you're well aware of it on. But Stephen Fuller, the man you mentioned who escaped, he subsequently went on to serve, I know, one or two terms as a Fianna Fáil TD. He, he joined Fianna Fáil as a certain number of those on the anti-treaty side did, formed by Eamon de Valere, their political leader, the anti-treaty side. And then we come forward to 1959 and a major monument was unveiled at the spot of the Bally CD outrage. And the man who had been there on the night, whose eight comrades had been blown to death, was not even invited on the stage. Why yes. was that? Well, Fuller, like many in the anti-treaty IRA and many on the anti-treaty side, went on to join Fianna Fáil when it was, when it was founded. And um, obviously that was much to the chagrin of many in Sinn Féin, who... Uh, in their mind, uh, saw Fianna Fáil as traitors by entering the Dáil and and um, participating in, in in a parliament that that they did not that they did not believe to have any legitimacy. Um, Fuller was elected a, um, a Fianna Fáil TD in in, in nineteen thirty seven and remained in the Dáil until nineteen forty three. Um, but as you say, when it came to the unveiling of the Ballycidi monument, which Many people listening, either from Kerry or from outside, may be familiar with because it's in a very prominent uh, roadside location and is, is probably one of, if not the largest, um, uh, war monuments of its of its kind in the country. Uh, it was unveiled on in in nineteen fifty nine, and uh, it was um, a local committee and and many of the families involved who who were involved in in fundraising and and. Um, and um, providing for the for for the monument, uh, but Fuller wasn't invited to the unveiling, and of course that reflects the political tensions at the time between uh, those in Sinn Fein who didn't, you know, neither recognised the state nor the nor the government nor the nor its parliament, um, and those in Fianna Fáil who'd embraced parliamentary democracy like Fuller, despite what he had suffered during the during the civil war. Um, and ironically, uh, one of the one of the speakers on the day that the monument was unveiled in 1959 was May May Daly, May Dolly, as she was known uh, from Fires, who was one of the women who'd looked after Fuller and um, quote picked the the grit and stones out of his back for weeks and months after he had survived the explosion. Um, so I suppose um, it is interesting to look at that sort of. Um, battle for the memory of the civil war in Kerry and certainly um, uh, in many ways it, it infused Kerry politics and national politics indeed with, with, with a particular um, with a particular venom for, for generations which uh, which followed. Yeah, there's no doubt about it but I mean that detail alone um, it being such an outrage it having such significance and the one man who survived to tell the tale who was effectively the only witness of obviously on on the on the side of the of the victims, the perpetrators were there of the whole thing. That he wasn't, uh, and as I understand, he was actually in the crowd that day of his own volition. He came along to it, but wasn't it, 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 yeah. it beggars um, it beggars belief, quite frankly. Having said that, on we see right up to today, and um, I, I've written about this in the Examiner that there was some dispute over commemorating 
on uh, the 5th of March this year, Ballycidi, in that there's a, a, a Ballycidi Commemoration Committee who organised for an event on Sunday the 5th. And uh, and I think this was confirmed by people in Sinn Féin since they were approached by Sinn Féin and they were told, Sinn Féin people were told it was going to be non-political. And I, local TD, Pat Daly, has said in RT that Mary Lou MacDonald wanted to speak at it, so they decided to proceed with their own uh, commemoration. A hundred years later, there is still a hugely political element to claiming the dead and in doing so, inferring that they knew which way these people would have gone had they survived. Yes, it just shows you um, that 100 years on, Bally City and, and the events in Kerry are, are as politically, um, you know, challenging and difficult as, as perhaps they ever were. Now, I would, I would, I, I would suggest that um, there is certainly um, a greater appetite, I would say, to be to be more inclusive, if I could put it that way. I mean, um, Paddy Fuller, uh, Stephen Fuller's son, uh, was, for example, at the unveiling of a monument in Knocknagoshal, uh, which was unveiled there uh, um, many years ago, and uh, that was that was noted as a as a significant gesture at yeah. the time. Um, nowadays, I think we have to, in in terms of the spirit of commemoration, I think we have to respect all of those uh, traditions, all of those parties that. Um, derive or, or claim to derive you know a, a lineage from from those on the anti-treaty side during the civil war um with with the i would say with the um important proviso that those who lost their lives on the, on the pro-treaty side are, are not forgotten as well because um you know Kerry men lost their lives in very significant numbers in in the free state army in Kerry. um there is i i think Knocknagoshal, as far as i'm aware is the only known Monument to free, the Free State dead in um, in uh, Kerry, and would be quite unusual in the country as 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 a monument to to those who died on the Free State side. I I think um, I think we have to look at the period in the round, and have to consider that in recent years where we have the benefit of a significant tranche of new archive material and records from. Uh, the combatants themselves, as well as from the survivors and their families, um, that illustrate really that there was no monopoly of suffering during the Civil War, um, that there was significant um, uh, hardship on, on 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 both sides of the of the conflict. And what strikes me as a, a historian, really, in, in going through all of that dreadfully difficult and and tough material to read, is is a great sadness um, that that so many individuals and families uh, suffered in, in this way and i i would respectfully suggest that perhaps the most meaningful way in which uh, we could commemorate the civil war is is by collectively acknowledging as a state and as a society and as a body politic that um dreadful dreadfully barbaric things were done on both sides of of this conflict and uh, the legacy of suffering lasted for decades and i think um um, you know that would do much to, um, to uh, I suppose su- support a spirit of of uh, of healing and 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 moving on, which I think and I think we have, for the broad part, matured as a society that that we can discuss these sort of things now without without descending into into political acrimony. I would I would hope. Absolutely, and just a couple of things there. You you, you mentioned Octagosh, and as I saw somewhere, Jimmy Dean and uh, former. Uh 
Fine Gael TD, far more importantly, former multiple All-Ireland winner for Kerry, but that's neither here nor there. Yes. Jimmy Deenan, who obviously would have been coming from the, the Free State tradition, the Fine Gael tradition, he was involved with a group that uh, they commemorated both, both at Knock Nagoshal and Bally CD, which I think is, as you very eloquently put there on, it, it, it's the best way of all to move forward and just to remember the dead rather than anything else. But the other point you make is very valid too. The, the the free state soldiers to some extent have been the kind of I think a forgotten constituency like Fianna Fáil which grew the anti-treaty side politically was very much the biggest party in the country for 60-70 years and they nearly had a monopoly mm. on uh, remembering to that extent and to some extent now you've Sinn Féin which is the biggest party and they would identify that too but all those free state soldiers th- there was very little um Acknowledgement at various levels of, of, of they also died in in this awful conflict, and it could it could be argued to the extent that they died on what history would suggest was the right side. Yeah, and many of them were incredibly young. Some of the accounts I've seen, you know, some of those that were on both sides of the country now, I hasten to add, but many Free State soldiers who were sent to Kerry and were from Kerry were 17, 18, 19, 20, 21 years old. Um, you know, I, I write in the book about the case of two medical orderlies who were aged 18 and 20 with the army who were on a boating trip and uh, the lakes of Killarney and were, were shot by a sniper as they as they uh, stepped onto Inishfallon Island. Those sort of... Um, Incidents and attacks are, are, are perhaps forgotten in, in, in the narrative. And um, in many ways, not, not just were the free state soldiers and their families uh, forgotten, I think, by the state for many years. Uh, they were forgotten and um, neglected, I would go so far as to say, by re- successive governments, not just um, uh, Fianna Fáil governments, but, but by those on, on, on the, of the Common and Isle Fine Gael tradition. In, uh, and I'm talking there about the pension applications in which uh, many of them for years, having fought to you know defend the state against the anti-treaty IRA, were, were begging and begging the state for some sort of financial support in the years after the Civil War. Uh, they were battling uh, significant mental health problems, trauma, nervous breakdown, um, admissions to psychiatric hospitals, financial hardship, poverty, emigration. Um, and, you know, again, um, no more than those on the uh, anti-treaty side were denied access to pensions for many years until Fianna Fáil came to power. Um, certainly the the, 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 uh, the Free State government for the first decade in its ex- existence did very, very little to uh, support those um, who had gone out to fight to defend the treaty and defend the new state. So I would respectfully suggest that there's no um, party or party representatives that can sort of uh, claim that they covered themselves in glory in terms of their treatment of, of, um, of combatants on, on either side of the conflict. Very true. And I think as well, one of the most important things about it is that we do remember it because as we've seen elsewhere in the world and in recent years even, we, we might often think um, the past is a different country, as they say, but sometimes we realise, unfortunately, that it ain't that distant as we might think. So it, it is very important that we remember to ensure there's never any repeat of anything like that. Um, Owen, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, the book, folks, and I have to say, I read it over Christmas. I, I, I ate it over Christmas. It's fascinating reading. No Middle Path, The Civil War in Kerry, and it's published by Merrion Press. Owen, thanks very much for joining us today. Thank you too, Mick. That's it, folks, for today. As always, thanks to our engineer, JJ Vernon. Thank you for listening. We'll be back with you again soon. Stay well. 
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.